Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 211. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have back with us the acclaimed writer of comics and the award-winning author, Stephanie Nina Pizzarillos. Yay. Hi, Barney. Stephanie, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm so glad right. to be back here. You're well, and and as we we're saying before we get on the show, I was very excited that I was able to put in the intro award-winning because yes. <laughs> since we talked last you're on episode episode 137 you won an award i did amazing yes. i did yeah. so definitely right. now award-winning and it feels right. good <laughs> and, and so you're here you're going to talk about your latest artist book uh funeral singer but before we jump into that you want to kind of give the the viewers and the listeners kind of a a background on what you've been up to the last few months since you've been. Oh, on. geez. All right. I'm probably going to leave out a ton. So you can help me, Barney, if I forget. <laughs> but yeah, I had, uh, I, I was, I had an amazing um, summer. I read the 2022 Chautauqua uh, Janice Prize um, for my story, Jean, um, which is found in the anthology uh, Speculative Fiction for Dreamers, a Latinx anthology published by Ohio State University Press. They hosted me and my family uh, for a week in Chautauqua, New York, um, where I just got to experience the amazingness of that community, how they honor artists, how they honor uh, the works of artists or, or, or just people and works that they find interesting that might not even be there. Um, it's just a writer's dream. Um, you literally you're treated like a celebrity people go up to you and say congratulations because the local newspaper interviewed you and your face is there and the library <laughs> has a picture of you and the bookstore has a picture of you um and it's just a wonderful community that really come it come they come together um they have an online community as well um but they come together uh for weeks during the summer and have wonderful discussions around how do we progress as a human society, looking at the themes of what's going on in the world. And I um, was very honored to uh, that they selected this uh, um, story, Gene, and I got to deliver a lecture uh, uh, at the ceremony, Gene, Janice, and Comic Book Realism, where I walked people through um, like what makes a work genre bending, what is comic book realism, what I say I write, um, and um, how this relates to the god Janice. And of course, I threw in some astrophysics as a fangirl. I had to do that. So <laughs> that was my big summer um, thing. Fulfilled my Zine 100 uh, uh, backer rewards. Right. Uh, Barney, you got some too. So I, I sent those out. I haven't sent the community copies out yet. So that felt good. I'm about to do the webinar for that one. So get, get back to, for our viewers and listeners out there, give a brief description on what that genre is of comic book realism. Sure. Um, so the term comic book realism, it's not used often. I'm trying to I'm trying to use it as much as I, I can because it's just fascinating to me. Uh, Professor Daniel Bautista um, wrote a paper right after Juno Diaz's book came out, The Brief Wondrous Life of Oscar Wilde. And he 
said instead of seeing this work as um, genre defying and bending and all that, it was a new genre in itself that mm. is a continuation of the Latin American tradition of magical realism, but now in this new generation, new generation that infuses pop culture and comic books and fantasy in okay. literary works. So basically, I mean, I think I write literary fiction, but with this infusion of pop culture. I think what people throws people off is that it's this thing called comic book realism. It's definitely weighted in a lot of comic book realism. And I like to give the example, um, and I did in my Janice speech, uh, the Mexican Flyboy by Alfredo Vea is like the ultimate to me. Uh, mm. Example of uh, comic book realism where like characters inhabit this world where comic books seem real to them or it's just part of their, not just their vocabulary, but part of their identity. Um, there is uh, another, someone did their whole PhD on, um, on this actual topic. I didn't get to read all 400 pages of the thesis, but that argues and takes it outside of the perspective of the Latino characters. I don't know how I feel about that. The Daniel Potisso one was, it was very specific to magical realism in, in Latin America and Latinx characters. Um, but certainly there are other people that kind of see this extending into other works beyond uh, Latinx right. authors. As we, as we move on to that, talk to us a little bit about your imprint that you, that you mentioned, Janice Point Press. Yeah. So Janice Point Press. So let's like, let's, where can I go with this? Um, part of it is me. Um, so it's a press that is co-published uh, or an imprint um, with myself and my husband, Cyrus Bokeen. Um, who's very much a, a Renaissance man, uh, uh, obsessed with fine press and, um, and printing, um, as well as literature and, and other things. And it, it really came about because I was, um, because Aaron said, oh, do a, do a, a collection of all your works. I said, okay, we're going to do Event Horizon. And then I was getting the contracts ready. And Seth's like, you need an imprint. Just do this under your imprint, not your publishing company. I was like, imprint? Wait, I could do an imprint? Um, I mean, this is how, how good I work with nudges um, and love getting feedback from all starting <laughs> I'm like, wait, you can do that? You can do an imprint? Oh, that makes sense. Why do it under Zoe Health? You know, I, so many people in my life push me and say, just do it, do it. You can do it. You can do these things. You'd be great at those things. If, if I have the means to do it and I want to do things Frank Sinatra style my way, why not do it? I mean, I love the idea of having a, a home as a boutique publisher to my own creator uh, works. I think this is just what you do as an indie comics creator, right? You know, I'm not trying to be the next Marvel or DC or anything like that. It's just me doing my thing. But at the same time, that there are stories Cyrus and I don't see out there that we love to, to see out in the world. And there are artists that we love. So how can we do... It just makes sense to us to um, start an imprint where we actually start publishing some of those works and not necessarily works that, uh, that I authored. Um, you know, especially as a duo, we're also hoping to be a creative hub. So if we're working with a particular artist and we're like, hey, I think you'd be really benefit from like a book binding a workshop, Janice Point Press might sponsor that. Um, mm. You know, we might we, we, we have one coming up uh, this month somehow, um, but just like a little creative meeting hub for artists that we appreciate 
and maybe artists that we hope to work with in the future and just say, come, let's have, let's chill, have some great food, <laughs> have some drinks and just talk about art. So it has the name press, but it really is also um, a creative hub and love for all things literature and all things print. And what makes it not just a me thing is that, look, if you ask me, the funeral singer would have probably just looked like this. I took a little Xerox paper, I printed it, and like I put little, you know, I do this with zines, right? I mean, I'm right. into the work. And, but Cyrus is very much and introduced me to the love of artist books and seeing books not only for, uh, and this is the, what it gets down to for me seeing books not just for the words inside or the pictures inside or the sequential art inside but the actual craftsmanship of the book as an art form itself and when we right. talk about the funeral singer you'll see it's not just a book it's a limited edition barney i, I couldn't send you just like this one and i hadn't had them yet to, to actually send you one so you'll get to see them actually now um the pdf doesn't do it justice um but you know those are things that really, I mean, how many publishers are going to let me perfume my box that I want to send right. my story out to um, or have this, a silk uh, sleeve book sleeve that we sew with a right. pearl button? Those are fun, beautiful things that I think can also be part of an experience of uh, when you enjoying a, a story. Um, so, yeah, I want to have a little bit of fun with that. Do my thing, but also be a creative uh, place. Um for other projects and collaborations and God knows what Cyrus is going to do. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you did mention just for, for clarification for our listeners and viewers out there, what's the difference between an imprint and a publisher? Really nothing. I mean, well, an imprint. Okay. Wait, right. We're going to be technical. Like an imprint can be something under a publisher, right? Like penguin has like 10, imprints, right? Like I just made up mm. that number, right? And one focuses on this, one focuses on young adult, that's the young adult imprint. This one is the adult, that's the speculative, right? So those are the imprints. That So that's the technical. Technically as a company, my public health meets art company Zoe Health is the actual business entity. But I've always included as part of that as literacy and public health meets the arts. And you'll also see in some of these works too, medicine, because of both Cyrus and my background, uh, interplaying in here as well. I do have a kid's comic <laughs> in mind um, for the future. And, you know, Janice Point Press might have then an imprint within it um, for, for that one, just to distinguish mm. it from any kids sort of things that we do. Right. If that makes sense. And yeah, and so now I'm really excited to talk to you about when you mentioned the word artist book. So artist book is not an art book. Yeah. An artist book is a book that is a piece of art. Yeah, this is very confusing and for me. And I've had to change my website a number of times. And part of it is that everyone's confused about this term. But I started, I started, I used the term artist book, uh, no, art book. And then mm. everyone thought I was an illustrator with my art. Right. <laughs> that I was doing a book of, of pieces of my art versus the artist book where the actual craftsmanship of the book um, in itself is the art form. You know, this is, so I, I will say first too. So the illustrator um, is Seth Martell. Thank you again, Seth. Seth and I are di a dynamic duo. 
Um, and so in the, you know, instead of let's say, okay, let's say I just want to, Hey, I want to do a chat book. Cause you could call this a chat book too, right? Mm. Like a chat book can be, if I just printed it, you know, and I didn't go right. all fancy. It's a chat book, right? It's, it's, it's a, like a short story. It's a no, no, novella, right? But we traveled to Poughkeepsie, sat with the printer, uh, main printing, and sat there and went through tons of paper. How does it feel? Is mm. you know what patterns does it have? Um, okay, this is what we want for the cover, but I want to do a, a translucent pearl-like page on the inside. All right, let's select the paper there. You're sitting down, you're touching. Mind you, there's a paper apocalypse, so pretty much everything you choose is probably, you got to have like four choices because likely your first choice isn't available now. Um, so you go through, you know, a selection like that, and then you decide, are you going to print, um, you know, just with, with ink illustrations? And it's, it's, it's hard to see. It's, it's one of these things that you have to hold. But, you know, we have an ink illustration of a bird in the cave. These are all the beautiful details. Um of when you're doing something and then they did the foil stamps too on the spine um okay. so you have my name uh and the title with foil stamping silver an artist book but then you know you could keep taking it and sometimes when you see artist books like they just you got to go to these fairs i mean these are like sometimes the most exquisite cost five thousand dollars a copy <laughs> you on you open it it's like a universe right like there are those artist books right um and there's there's so, so many beautiful fairs on things like that so but for the funeral singer um besides getting a very layered and deep story which we could talk about um you're also getting it you know when you when it comes in the mail you know you're getting it in a in a customized box wow. watch out for wormholes right um i put a lot of thought in the type of paper that matches the book the translucent pearl pages. Um, you have a choice when you order it. It's scented with frankincense and myrrh because that's part of the story. Um, these scents and these smells and what it does with memory. So when you're opening it up, you're getting that experience. But you don't just get the book. You're also then opening it up and it comes with a lapis lazuli silk book sleeve that um, has a pearl button if you look at the details, it actually looks like bird feathers. Um, mm. And these are all details that are part of the story as you read it and you understand why I chose this color. Why is it a pearl? Why does this look like um, uh, feathers? Um, and you can use it as a cute little clutch after. Um, and then like a final details besides an astrophysics sticker, which I had to throw in, which is still related. Again, artist book, this experience as you open it up. You right. do get a curated further reading and arts uh, list of literature, of film, music, and art that uh, you can dive into and explore on the different cultural and historical and musical themes that are within the story. Because it's very mm -hmm. layered, it's very deep, and you, maybe you want to learn a little bit more about World War II Greece or, you know, what happened in the Great Fire of Smyrna? What is Rembetico music? What about these Greek female resistance soldiers that were fighting Nazis? Um, mm. There's so many works, uh, uh, other literature and movies to see. So I wanted to provide that as part of the experience, too. I wanted to give you my novel because it's based on actually a novel I, I wrote 
because I just love, and that's what Jean is. I love taking my novels and making them into shorter stories. I wanted to give you the experience of a novel in a short story for format, particularly if people um, have lower attention spans um, or just less time. I think we should all make time for novels somehow if life is allowing you. But I also had that in mind too, that maybe with all its layers and richness, um, you will walk out feeling like you've read a novel. Right. Have you, does it come also, I'm just curious with like, say like a Spotify playlist to say, here's some music to listen hmm. to while you read. Barney ideas, ideas. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't have, a, I didn't include, I could make a Spotify uh, playlist. I didn't do a playlist, but I did give you for music two albums that both uh, include the funeral songs from mm. Ipiros, which comes up in the story and um, is also the ancestral land of my, of my dad's side of the family, and also recordings uh, from music from the, uh, the the city which is now Izmir, Smyrna, and, and the music then. So you got an old school paper Spotify playlist, Barney. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I should like do an electronic one since you want to give me more work. I think that's a good idea. Talk to us a bit about the the storyline, the funeral singer. Yeah, so the the funeral singer is a story where haunting memories and buried desire are resurrected by the funeral song as war binds the lives of a widow refugee and partisan soldier fighting for the liberation of Greece. What? Mm. It's a story that hops between 1922 uh, Anatolia and 1944 Greece. And it's the story not just of real historical events and the weight carried by its survivors, it's a story about the personal narratives of the characters that still play out as they're living through history. So mm. it's a story about sexual desire, uh, resistance, female liberation. It's a story of a bird. It follows the character Vasily, who is a refugee from uh, the catastrophe in Smyrna when the city was burned. It wasn't just burned. There's a whole story about that. This was set takes place during a crumbling Ottoman Empire, the Greco-Turkish War. Right after the first war, where the world was a mess. We think the world's a mess now. It is, but it was also a mess before. And Greece trying to emerge with a new identity uh, as modern Turkey was also being birthed. And one of the consequences of that was genocide and then eventually a big population exchange between the two countries. Um, and Greece wound up with about 1.5 million uh, refugees that were uh, forced to leave Anatolia. Um, so it follows this character, Vasily, as he's he's about to attend an exhumation um, in Greek Orthodox tradition. Body is exhumed after five years of burial to see if the sins have left the body. These are more rural traditions, but still practiced. And he's trying to figure out if he should join a female partisan soldier, Zoe, who has entered the village and asked him to take up arms against uh, Nazi-occupied Greece. And as he's doing that, he's really looking back and haunted by, um, trigger warning for anyone that needs to hear, the suicide of his sister in the past year, who never overcame what happened to them and what they lost in Smyrna. Um, mm. And Vasily's wondering and scared not so much because he's afraid of war, but afraid of the desire that Zoe awakens in him. Um, mm. We spend time trying to figure out 
him trying to figure out what he's going to do and what happened in Smyrna and what happened to his sister who still haunts him. Right. Now, is this, is this a, a, a piece of historical fiction or because it's Good based question. off of real events or is have you heard are these stories that you've been able to uncover? Oh, that's a great question. So it's, it's historical. I would say it's historical fiction, right? So what makes it historical is that the Smyrna catastrophe, as the Greeks call it, the Greek catastrophe. And it's actually the 100th year anniversary of when this happened, September 13th, 1922. Um, uh, it's a, a real event. You know, Hitler did occupy Greece. Um, so those things are real. So the historical setting is real. The cultural uh, details of the story of... Um, exhumations are real um uh not documented and talked about a lot were a lot of the resistance soldiers because greece had a very strong um resistance force against the nazis um first the italians and then the nazis um but a lot of them were women their stories aren't told as often and enough and i've been fortunate to find and these are this is why i love bookstore independent bookstores and there was a one owned by a greek in the upper west side Morningside Bookstore, and he would have all these books. There was this publisher, uh, Philpini Press, and she published a lot of books, Greek women in resistance, Greek women poets, just amazing material documenting in the 70s. So those things, elements of the story are in fact real. The characters are not, right? These are, it was, I'm not following, you know, one survivor's story that left a diary or something like that. These are totally mm -hmm. fictional characters. And, you know, they're, they're, they're actually based, like I said, the story is based on a novel. This theme does not come up, but the characters are entirely constructed around, all right, hold your hats, a 16th century alchemical text and formulated around the instructions of that alchemical text <laughs> so, to add another layer, but wait for the book to come out. So in that sense, they're, they're, they're historical, fictional but rooted in alchemy. Right. You did mention that this is part of a larger novel that you've that you're in the process of writing, or you've already written. No, it's been written. It's actually the first novel I tr I attempted to write. It was my late twenties, um, and not attempted. I did it, um, mm. but it was the first one I tried many years many years ago to get published. Um, and it's probably my favorite. Ah, man, I say it's hard to say the favorite thing I've ever written, um, but represents a, over a decade of research and traveling and a lot of heart and is so layered. I can see, you know, it probably maybe not the right market for it or I didn't pitch it right, but I'm kind of glad it didn't because I can't, I'm, I'm kind of it's one of those things that because it's so wound up in alchemical allegories. Uh, it, the formula might be undone by a traditional uh, publisher. So it's something that I did. I loved it. I got it out. Um, I crafted the short story. Um, and actually this story, the funeral singer, a version of it actually placed uh, as a finalist in uh, Corey Press a, a while ago. But I kept revisiting it and revising it as I got better in craft. I wrote another novel and then another novel and then short story, Gene. Um, and, you know, I saw the anniversary was coming up, the 100 year anniversary. I wasn't ready to, with Janice Point Press, dive into publishing, self-publishing a full uh, novel. Um, 
But, you know, for my family, I'm certainly for the world, um, but particularly on a personal level, you know, we've been had a lot of deaths in our family, both literal deaths and uh, metaphorical deaths. Mm -hmm. And it's just been around us. And um, I didn't write the story for this reason, but I did decide to release it um, in honor. Uh, my dad passed away a year ago, and he's from the lands of the funeral song of Iparos, Greece. And it really bothered me that in doing his funeral, there were no funeral singers. And mm -hmm. this guy was as Puerto Rican as you can get. He was so New Yorican. He was Greek, but he was New Yorican, all right? Like, and that was my lived experience. But he was also a proud Greek. And the funeral song was played in our house without us knowing what this was you know, the rembetico music, which is not a funeral song, but my interpretation is it's a way also of lamenting um, mm. a lot of the um, sadness and sorrow in the rembetico music. You can find echoes of, of, of the city of Smyrna and what happened there and the refugees. But all that being said, I did play funeral music um, at, at his funeral, but I just said, you know what? It's it's just, it's time to release the story. I think it's a fitting way um, with just all the death that's been around us um, that the time was right to, to do this and do it. And that's why you see the tenderness and the love and the, you know, anointing, so to speak, the box. And I pack each story. It's it just did a limited 100 print. Um, I play a funeral song as I'm packing it with each order. Um, so those were my intentions of when I, of, of behind what I'm doing besides the crafting it for years and years and years, but right. it was nice to release it. And I'm glad I had someone like Seth, uh, to help me through this tender process. <laughs> so how did you decide what you're going to turn into the short story? What mm. were, what, how were you, how deliberate were you to decide this can't be in it now? I'm going to save this people right. need to read this part in the novel. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. So usually, you know, I did the same thing for Jean. There's usually a standout passage or chapter where there's just this high tension that encapsulates all the other previous 100 and the next 100 pages. There's a, a crossroads of sorts, let's say, right? Um, and I find that it's kind of like, what's in, what in my gut sings to me? What sings? I, I, when I write and when I read my stuff, I hear music. I mean, I, I listen, right? It's very mm. strange, but that's kind of, so what's saying to me? Um, and then more importantly, and I learned this with Jean, because I didn't get it right the first time um, when I pitched to the publishers of, uh, uh, was then Latinx Rising. What theme, what part of the book do I want to focus on, right? What, you know, and my stuff is so layered that that's often hard. And sometimes it's the one thing, and then sometimes there's this intersection. I wanted this story, you know, besides what's saying to me, whatever uh, I felt stuck out, I wanted something that showed you the intersection of all these characters. You have Vasily, you have a widow who's like in her 80s. Uh, you have Zoe, the young uh, female uh, resistance fighter that's taken up arms against the Nazis. And you have Vasily's dead sister. 
what binds them? What's something common in all of their stories um, and, and haunting them? And part of that answer was desire, mm. was sexual desire, was longing. Who can do, who's allowed to do what because of their gender and what is normal and who's not? I found something, a part of it. And then I just either, I expand on it. So I'm not taking a part and saying, oh, look, this is it. This is my short story. No, it's taking whatever core passage and then crafting a story. How the funeral singer ends is not what happens in the book. Mm. It's a specific scene that I make sure follows the godly rules of how, how a short story is supposed to work. Yeah, you know, I took a wonderful writing course. I, I totally recommend taking writing workshops. If you don't have your MFA, take workshops when you can go to panels, right? I will say if I started out first going to workshops or getting an MFA, I probably would have hated writing and I would not have my voice. This is me. This is me. I'm glad I did it after and figured out, okay, this is how I can polish my stuff. This is actually what I'm doing because I don't. I just do it by gut and become a, a, a better writer. So I'm quite sure maybe it violates some cosmic MFA rules. But, you know, my first agent said, take Jean and never look at it again. I can't begin to tell you what's wrong with it. I poo-pooed her in that. And it won the Janus Prize. The Janus right. Prize looks at um, people that are doing different things and emerging things. So that's maybe where I, you know, how I write. Um so yeah, I, the same same formula for Jean I did uh, with the funeral singer. When people read the funeral singer, that's going to give them a taste of expectation of when are they going to be able to read your full novel? Oh boy, what a marketing brain you have! Gee, you think that was my intention? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So definitely so. Um, just in the same way with Jean is based on an entire novel. The funeral singer exists on its own to just exist. Gene exists just for its own sake to just exist. Also not how, you know, the, the novel for Gene uh, ends as well. And I honor that, right? I, I, that in it, it's a standalone work. Um, but yeah, eventually I am going to be releasing my works in some form, whether it's traditional or I do um, the self-publishing route um, or uh, an indie press. I'm still trying to figure these things out. Um, but I do think that one day, you know, I, I will be releasing the, the full novel. Um, so my first hope is that people just enjoy the story or the experience for what it is. And hey, if you happen to, to enjoy it, um, stay tuned because you might be able to enjoy the larger piece. Hmm. Now, as you said, this is a limited edition, correct? The, correct. This is only being sold only 100 copies. Only 100 copies. And yeah. if somebody wants to, are they, as of this recording, are they, can people still buy them? Oh, yes, yes. So there's different ways. So um, you go to, so if you just remember, go to JanicePointPress.com. That's the, um, our website uh, as an, as an imprint. Um, and then you'll see if you go order the funeral singer, it'll take you to the square site uh, where you can actually purchase it online. For those that are not familiar with artist books, artist books are, are quite can, can be expensive. This is not priced to what it truly should be priced uh, for profit um, right. because I wanted to, as my first work, to um, 
have some type of accessibility, recognizing not even everyone can do that, but was really excited to see someone recognize this as an artist book, that artist books should be priced higher, and then understanding his client's needs and mm. saying this would be perfect as a holiday gift because they'd appreciate it. So, so, so question for those that, that are to ensure this being kind of an, a never, an evergreen interview, if people are listening to this in a year from now or two years from now, can they get your, you only have a hundred. Is there going to be a plan to actually have this book available as just a normal chat like, book? Yeah, like, a, like a chat book. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I don't think so. I think it's, I don't think so. Um, I think my next step, well, A, let's see what reception is, right? Because, mm. you know, if for some reason it was flying off, for good reason, it was flying off the shelves, um, I might just do a second print with a different foil, uh, foil stamp. I just might mm. do a different art book. Um, because... I think the story is that special or the meaning mm. behind the story is that special. Um, I'm, I, I think I've put away the idea of this one just being printed as a chapbook because I think I'd put my resources as a next step towards getting the novel printed, not in mm. my public, my publication production line um, this year, or maybe not even next year. But I, I'm inclined to think that I would I would do that. Okay. It's it just means that much to me, if that makes right. sense. Right. So um, potentially, potentially, somebody listening to this in like 2025, listening to this interview or watching this interview, would be like, "Oh man, I, I missed it." But then, you, but they could still come. For those that are <laughs> listening to this in in the future. Still go to JanicePointPress.com and right. click on the sh shop button and see right. if the funeral singer is still available. Still available. That'll probably be in it's second and third printing by then. So yeah, there you go. So I would do right. a second and third printing. I'm more likely just to do another artist book. Um, right. But hey, I'm open to the universe. Right. This has been amazing, and Stephanie. Every time I talk to you, I learn something new about. Uh, the world I live in, and this. So I not only learned about the twenty, the, the nineteen twenty two catastrophe. I also learned about what an artist book is, and I also learned what an imprint is. And these are the types of conversations I have come to expect from an award winning author. So thank you. <laughs> well, Barney, I love talking with you. So I am on Twitter, Zoe Health, Z O E Health. And on Instagram, the Nina Galaxy. If you remember the Nina Galaxy, that link tree thing um, right. has all my things. Um, hey, if if you're not like Barney and knows how to spell my name, Stephanie Nina Pizzarillos, that's my website and has everything. But Barney, for the rest of them, <laughs> you know, link tree, that thing. Okay, I'm the Nina right. Galaxy. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. It's always so fun to uh, chat with you. All right, thank you, Barney.
yeah, keep ordering 2021, Barney. There you go. <laughs> I don't know how your wife's going to feel about getting 24 funeral singers if you like clicking buttons. But <laughs> so, I mean, it is a really good price. I could buy 27 27 of them. I could buy 26 of them for less than a thousand dollars. See. <laughs> They are $38 online. Don't confuse people. Don't see you clicking, Barney. <laughs> <You're gonna laughs> run away.